Lord, we come before you once again. Thank you that you are a God who speaks to us in the stillness. You're a God who comes here and he is present this morning. We thank you your spirit is here this morning and you are here too. We just pray now, Father, as we open your word, that your God, your lead, you'll show us what you would have us to speak on this morning, to take in. We thank you for this time. We commit it afresh into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have the um, Bible reading up on the screen, please. Thank you very much. So I'll read the Bible reading, then we'll go through there. So quick recap from what last week. Who remembers what Bob spoke on last week? It was... um, head coverings, women's fashions and all sorts of different things. Um, it was quite a detailed message and I, thought, I, I quite enjoyed it and um, the things that he did. But one thing that really came through to me, uh, probably God spoke to everyone in a little bit different way, one thing or a couple of things came to me that Paul was actually pushing back from the culture that was happening at the time and a lot of the stuff that was going on there was a lot of culture within it and Paul was pushing back against those cultural things and he was instigating practices where all the women were on the same level, whether you were single, whether you were married, and by doing this, having these head coverings within there, that everyone was on the same level. I did have a thought when I was sitting there, though, that uh, I wonder if they had these head coverings there so that the women could put them on when they came into the meeting. That was just a thing that I thought of. But, yeah, that was a, a culture of unity today. So today we're looking at uh, following on from that, whether it's the same um, meeting or about the same time. So we have uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 34. So I'll read it. We've got it up on the screen. So it's, In the following uh, directors, I had no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have been differences among you to show which of you has God's approval. So then when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. It's quite significant. It's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on his night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone must examine themselves when they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink without recognising the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak, weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regards to ourselves, we would, too, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry who should eat at home, so that when you meet together, 
he may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. So one of the things I've, I've found out or, or noticed while I've um, been putting this sermon together is that this is one letter. It's not bit by bit. And the way that we've looked at it bit by bit it tends to give the impression that something happened way back then and, and this is now. And maybe it's just the way that this, what was they call exegetical, looking at, uh, at messages that we've, we've split it up and we have the chapters, we have the verses, but this is one whole book and one whole letter and we'll see that Paul goes back and has a look at some of the things that were happening at what we see at the start of the book, which is actually happening now, which is actually all part of the same thing. So if we were to take out the chapters and verses, we would see it as a whole letter. But unfortunately, when we look at it, we've got to look at it in a context of today where we have it, uh, the verses and the chapters within this to be able to keep it in context. So we think of it as, a, as one whole letter, but we're going to have to look at it in, in this one way. So we've been doing this about 20-odd weeks uh, since we first started, probably 27, 28 weeks since we first started this. And we'll have a look through the verse and see how we can apply them. So the overarching theme of this passage, and there's a few others that Paul uses as a recurring theme in his book, is unity. So it's a passage about unity. So this passage may have a context of the letter which may have a different meaning to what we may have heard in the past. So today we tend to look at communion or Lord's Supper, whatever we might call it, as more of an individual event, but it's more about getting together in unity. To use some context into what was happening in the first part of the, uh, the reading here, it says um, they used to gather together in what we found out was Priscilla's house last week, who was one of the, um, the leaders of the church in Corinth, and they got together in her house and they had a meal together, and part of that meal together then they annexed the uh, Lord's Supper onto it. So obviously there's teaching and there's knowing about the Lord's Supper prior to this, so it was just part of their way of doing things. So if we had a fellowship meal together over lunch and then we have communion at the end of it. It's probably similar to the first communion when Jesus was having the Passover meal and, and he introduced the, um, the communion service. So that's how it was. Now the verse, opening verses in verse 17 of the passage, Paul states quite emphatically that your meetings are doing more harm than good. That's a fairly um, damning statement that they're doing more harm than good. So we can take from this that there were issues not being addressed and needed to, and he was very disappointed them had no praise for them. So if we look at the letter, we can see a point that uh, Paul is revisiting here earlier. So if we go back to um, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 1, sorry, 11 to 13, We'll go back to there and it says in verses 11 to 13, My brothers, some of you from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. When I mean that one is, you say, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, another, I follow Cephas or Peter, still another say, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptised into the name of Paul? So we can see here the divisions among them that they were, one said they followed Paul, some said they followed Peter, some said they followed Christ. And these divisions were actually um, shown out in a, in a bigger way when they were getting together for their feast. 
uh, they were sitting there and the, those that followed Paul, the Paulines, the Kephites and the Apollonians were sitting separately to each other and uh, they were sitting there and eating and drinking while the others sat there and they were left to, um, to fend for themselves and not get their food. So in saying this, that uh, there was divisions among them and differences, Paul said that in regards to divisions, he's saying he expected that our human nature comes to the fore here and that there are fundamental errors in doctrine which show that those who follow God and who do not. In verses 20 and 22 to 22, it says that the Corinthians here did not show the true nature of the Lord's Supper. This is where Paul said that you are not showing the Lord's Supper. You, what you are doing by eating and drinking separately, by having divisions among you, by not uh, letting the others, this is not the true meaning of the Lord's Supper. They were eating and drinking separately and getting drunk. And once again, Paul was pushing back against the, uh, the, tra- the traditions and things of the day that were happening there. So one of the traditions of the pagans was that they'd sit together with their feasts and they were sitting there and drinking and eating and getting drunk. So that once again, that these were traditions which were being brought into the church which need to be addressed so that the church could then flourish and to push away from those sorts of things. And uh, the tradition was, uh, as we know in that church, was uh, very much so as we found out last week with the head coverings and that sort of thing. Not only were they despising the poor and not allowing them food, they were treating with, with contempt. With contempt. And uh, to be contemptuous against somebody and to, to, to be in that, that actions was um, not the sort of thing that was shown to be, to be needed. These individual actions were against the notions of meeting together and to annex the Lord's Supper to these gatherings was going against the unity of the celebration. So to, to annex it to that was going against the unity of the celebration. Paul couldn't commend them for their actions in verse 22. Verse 23 to 26, Paul moves on to the Lord's Supper as God reveals to him. Paul wasn't at the first supper, but... Um, God showed him through the Holy Spirit that what had happened there, um, there was others that were there, uh, where they had conversation with them. So if we just go back to um, a couple of chapters before on the Lord's Supper, or the chapter before, chapter 10, verses 14 through until 17, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago, if I can remember what Bob spoke about a couple of weeks ago on, on this uh, chapter here. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourself what I say. It's not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ, and it's not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. So do these two words sound familiar? Participation and partnership. If we were here a couple of weeks ago, Bob spoke on participation and partnership. So when we participate in the Lord's Supper, we then come into partnership with them and we come into partnership with each other. And that's where the unity is within it. And by participating in the Lord's Supper and in partnership with him, what they were doing was not participation and partnership. They were participating in their own little feast and it was a division among them. This is signified... In verse 17 of that, and Bob did mention it, and we mentioned it again, that they came together with one loaf. 
we've been to some services, I know that when we have our, our communion services, we have either the biscuit or the um, bread, and we have the individual cups. But the original ones, where we all got together on one loaf and pulled a bit of bread out, and it was bringing the unity together of eating of one loaf and the drinking of one cup as well too. So that was the unity of the thing. So the actions of the Corinthians and their divisions and treatment of others were going the opposite direction of this. As we pointed out at the top of this, was about about unity. So back in chapter 11, Paul then sets out the way that the Lord's Supper goes. So in verses 23 through to 26, which I'll read again here, and in my Bible it's actually got the, the red words, so that means it's something that Jesus had said. So it wasn't something that he made up, but it was something that Jesus said. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper he took the cup, saying, This is a new covenant of my blood, whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Very familiar words, and they've been used, Bob used them last week and others, we've used them many times when we come to the communion service, and it's a great way to be able to do that. It's very similar to what Luke wrote in his gospel about uh, uh, having to be there, and we do that in remembrance of him, and it's a new covenant we come. So back to participation and to partnership. When we participate in the Lord's Supper, we are in partnership with one another and with, one, and with Jesus. When we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim. So to proclaim something is to tell it, to live it out and to show it what we're doing. We're proclaiming it. We get out there, was saying they proclaim on the mountaintops, shout it from the mountaintops. We are proclaiming that we are together in this. We are showing and telling and living it out until his death, until he comes in unity. In this new covenant, in verse 25, our proclamation is under this new covenant and this covenant was one that was a binding covenant. The covenant was there that God made with man here, was given, uh, one that was there was given at Mount Sinai, as we remember there, the Ten Commandments, and everyone was under that covenant there and God made that. The covenant is something that God has made with man. It's not man reaching out to God but God reaching out to man. So the covenant here that we've eat and drink under, as we know, is that Jesus died for the sins of all the world. Even though we can say that Jesus died for my sins, which we can and which we do, he's died for my sins individually, but we, don't, we must remember that he died for the sins that the whole world can be forgiven. So when we proclaim and we meet together, under this covenant, we meet until he comes again. We're proclaiming that Jesus has died for the whole world. So we're putting ourselves out there saying that we're claiming for them. And we're doing that corporately. So today was communion when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Communion, or we can flesh it out a little bit, it's a, a word that comes and um, a lot of speakers and that use the words common union. So we're meeting in common union together. It's something that binds us together. For the Corinthians, this was far from what they were doing. 
So in verse 27, the next verse, Paul brings up the consequences of participation of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Now the Corinthians were acting as heathens by their actions, as we've seen before, treating their brothers and sisters with contempt, being individuals with their mates in different schisms, and then taking on the Lord's Supper at the end of this. As individuals are to come together, and they were capable of doing this as individuals, but they were putting themselves first over the good of the body. Paul tells them to examine themselves before taking the elements. They were to proclaim the Lord's death and Christ of his atoning work. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. But I'll look back at what Jesus had to say to this. This was um, after the Beatitudes and when he was talking on the, uh, the, um, on, on the mount there and... Uh, um, it was a time of uh, talking about the different things, the salt and light, and in this is passage within uh, about murder and that sort of thing. So within this he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be recognized, reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Jesus, just as Jesus was telling those that were bringing your gifts to the altar or the sacrifice which was the same as Jesus' sacrifice as a sin offering is celebrated in the Lord's Supper. So when the people were bringing that to the altar under the old covenant to the temple, they were to examine themselves. And if there's anything going on between them and someone else, they were sorted out before they could bring their, um, their gift or their sacrifice and that was all good and they were sorting that out sort of thing. So Jesus' words were very similar and they aligned very much to what Paul was saying here. To examine yourselves. And when we, today, the teaching I've had on this and heard on this is before we come to communion, we examine ourselves, how we're going to be able to say between us and God. But it's a bit deeper than that and goes a bit more than that. And someone had something against them reconciled before them. So similarly, Paul is telling the Corinthians, failure to recognise the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So verse 30 we can take from this that God takes this kind of behaviour quite seriously with consequences of uh, being sick or even death. So in this instance, the body, in the preceding part of the verse, the body and blood of Jesus is about Christ, but this part, the body actually means the body being us, the body of the church. So if you have something against and you're eating and drinking Against the body, you drink judgment upon yourself. So remember back to chapter 10 in, um, in, in Corinthians, uh, the, the warnings that Bob brought to us about what happens when the children of Israel went against God, some of the things that happened to them. One of the ones was when they were at the, uh, uh, the water and, um, and God despised them and, and killed some of them and some of the things that happened. So God takes seriously when we do have um, sin against each other and we have things against each other because we're bringing that sin against each other then we're bringing it against Christ as well by what he's doing and if we're proclaiming his death until he's come we're sort of bringing that into repute or disrepute, yeah. We take Paul's warning for oppression or treating their fellow brothers in the highest importance. They were not only sinning against each other but they were making mockery of the sacrifice of Jesus by sinning against him. 
their actions were breaking that common union that Jesus has established through the covenant and through his death. So verse 31, finally as part of the passage, Paul gives counsel on judging themselves. By doing this, first they would escape the judgment of the Lord and the discipline he would mete out. So being proactive and sorting things out before they were honouring the covenant that God made through Jesus. But the Lord's discipline was for their own good and not be, con- be condemned with the world. This is why God disciplines his own out of love for them as a father disciplines his children through chastisement for their good. How many times has their father said to us, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you? But God does that chastisement out of their own good. That chastisement or chastisement brings them to a self of sin and repentance and a come back into a right relationship with him. And even though Jesus died for the whole world, there are those of us who will, are those, not of us, those who will not accept this gift and come to repentance in the Lord Jesus who wants to protect his own from this. So Paul's final instructions are similar to his opening discourse to wait and it seems that he's not finished um, as yet with his instructions. Even though Paul was not happy with them at this stage, he hadn't given up on them, their conduct. And he realised in saying this that they were a young church and they were a work in progress and he hadn't given up on them. And he was going to come back to them and say, well, this is what we really need to do. So what can we take with this? So Bob touched on a little bit when he did the communion message last week. I was, I was sitting there and he was uh, going on about the 1 Corinthians 11, he was bringing this and that, and I thought, well, that's my job done for next week, but no, it's been good to be able to go through this. So when we come this morning, I came with Judy. You may have come on your own, you may have come with a family. We come together to worship as individuals, but we come together as family units as well too, but we come together as one family. We're all one family here today. We join together in communion with each other because we have been redeemed through Christ's blood. Isn't that wonderful? We can say hallelujah to that, can't we, that we're redeemed by Christ's blood. We come together in that union. Not only are we a Korean Baptist church, uh, a family of every believer, but we're every con- a congregation in Kerrang is our brothers and sisters as well. Even if they may have a different doctrinal differences uh, or they have different things and the way they go about things, if they're followers of Jesus, if we're all followers of Jesus and have him as our Lord, we are one family. So our family has grown from here, it's grown to Kerrang as well. So when we come around and meet in the Lord's table, in essence, I was told this many years ago, a bit further about how we have communion. In essence, we're having sharing communion every time is with our brothers and sisters in Kerrang because we are all one in Christ. And then if we push out a little bit further, every time we have communion, and this is what was told me some years ago, and it only sort of came home by doing this, that we share communion with every believer in all the world. Anyone that follows Christ, we're sharing that communion with them. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know that when we come around the table here, that we're sharing communion with everybody within the world, those that follow Jesus? So when we examine ourselves before taking communion, this may have far-reaching effects. If anything that needs to be sorted out between us as members here, and we don't address these, this may have a knock-on effect in our relationship with our brothers and sisters in the broader church. 
So let's keep sure to cancel one another by proclaiming his unity until he comes. We're under the same binding covenant as the Corinthians were, as everyone else is, that covenant that Jesus came and we've proclaimed it until he comes. When we come together each week and around the communion table or not around the communion table, even this morning when we come together as a family and as a community and that as a family we get together and that family is a community. Some years ago when I was in the camping ministry we uh, went to a camping conference down in um, uh, Phillip Island, one of the camps down there and it was um, a tradition to have a communion at the end of the communion service at the end of it and uh, the people running at that time were the Salvation Army and as we know that the uh, those may know the Salvation Army don't actually go in to have a communion service but we still had communion we sat there and we had communion one with another we built each other up we prayed for each other we found out what each other were doing we loved each other and we were a community as well community is almost another extension of communion or common union or common unity so those times were of times of communion and community all put together and I read a, a quote or was put up on my Facebook um, post the other day, Facebook wall. Community is more than belonging to something. It is about doing something together that makes belonging matter. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Community is much more than belonging to something. It's about doing something together that makes belonging matter. So as a family, we spend together times when we come here today in service, when we have a communion or whether we don't. We support each other. We hear what God may have been doing in our lives. We come to pray for each other, what we've done this morning, and how we're able to minister to others in our workplaces, home and in their community at large. And that's what we come together for fellowship, to build each other up, to hear what we've been doing, to be able to support each other. So that can foster an atmosphere of belonging. So if you're a visitor here this morning, we're all together. We're belonging to each other. And uh, Alicia um, gave us a thing with the uh, kids' ministry about belonging. And uh, how can we make everyone feel as though they belong when they come to a church here? How are we going to make the kids feel that they belong within the kids' club or whether it be in the Sunday morning service? It's a challenge that we have as individuals in an organisation or as a church how are we going to make people feel that they belong here? As someone has come here in the last four or five years, it's, it's, it's um, interesting to see how you fit within the church. How are we going to encourage people to use their giftings within the church here to be able to feel that belong? How are we going to feel that, that within the community of believers in this town that we belong together? And we had the event the other week. as belonging and coming together. And it's much more than belonging to something. It's about doing something together that makes belonging matter. So we encourage you sometimes, each other, just through our presence. We're just being there for each other and just sitting with them sometimes and just being in the same room can be a, a way of encouraging. So today, let's share our common union as we communion with each other each week. Let's just pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for blessing us so much with it. Thank you that we are one in Christ Jesus. Thank you that you have brought us all together to this place, to this time. 
that um, you engineer everything for your purposes and, Father, that we may be used for your purposes. Just bless us now as we go. Just be with us this afternoon as we uh, spend some time uh, doing the Safe Churches workshop. Just uh, now we just commit ourselves afresh into your name. Amen.